Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, and also the CEO and founder of Church Boom. Today, you get to be a part of a live coaching session with a pastor who's facing the same type of struggles and concerns that you're facing. If you enjoy today's podcast, make sure to give us a like, a share, or a subscribe. I'm so honored today to sit down with David Aguilar. been coaching him for a long time, and today we're talking about how to deal with the pain that ministry can bring. We can all relate to that. I hope you enjoy today's coaching conversation. Man, how can I serve you today? Man, I'm just really excited. I'm excited for tomorrow or this week later on. Uh, but yeah. for sure, uh, going into the new year and just this is just kind of like a phase that I've been in my life lately. And it's just like the pursuit of wholeness as a leader, as a pastor or whatever. And um, so I kind of have the first one kind of stems from there. And what, what are like some habits that all leaders or pastors either should implement or stop um and it really comes again from the root of i'm really pursuing wholeness and i don't know just being a better version of me yeah yeah no that's great let let me ask you this before we jump into the habit concept uh and ideas there when you say wholeness Mm -hmm. what does wholeness as a leader mean to you what does that look like i think winning at home and winning at ministry that's what I would say, wholeness. I mm. think that question has been, like, how do you balance ministry and life? Um, I think that's been phrased a lot. I think for me right now, the pursuit, that change of pursuing wholeness, it feels more, less like a balance that I'm trying to, like, do, and then more of, like, a state that I get to live in. So mm. that's why I've been <laughs> using the word wholeness more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, one, I love the pursuit of it. I love that you're saying, Hey man, I want more balance in my life. I want wholeness. Um, let me talk about that, the habits that I'm creating and let me explore the habits. That's what you're really saying, David yeah. is, Hey, I want to explore those things. Um, one thing is I, I, when it comes to boundaries in ministry, um, we've always got to remember that we're priests to our home first, uh, yeah. before we are to a church. Um, that we've got to, the boundaries that are set are set by us. So when someone says, man, they're running me ragged, it's like, well, you're allowing that. You cannot change what you choose to tolerate. And if you constantly are saying, man, I'm running ragged and, you know, and, and my life's out of balance, it's like, well, yeah, but, um, most of the time in the ministry, we're the ones to blame for that. Because we're allowing ourselves to be run ragged. We're allowing people to infringe in on boundaries. We're not um, <clears throat> willing to address the changes, and you can't change what you choose to tolerate. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I think that that's the first thing is I think one of the greatest jobs of a leader is both to define reality and to take responsibility. Define reality, take responsibility. So your reality is hey, maybe my life's a little out of balance. Maybe yours is, I don't know. Uh, but I also need to take responsibility. No one else is going to fix that for yeah. me. Yeah. No one is going to come up to your church and go, we think your life's out of balance. Well, you need to spend more time at home. Most people are not going to do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> most people in your church are coming to you for, I always say, people. whenever I have an appointment, uh, whenever you're, you're a pastor and you have an appointment, it's usually centers around counseling, complaining, or cash. They want one of three. <laughs> so, one of the big three right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Counseling, I got a complaint. I want some counseling or I need some cash. Uh, and I know that's funny 
being a little sarcastic, but uh, no one sits down with you and says, I care about you, Pastor. I want to make sure your life's in boundaries. Like, no one's ever had that conversation with me in my, in the, you know, in my years of being in in ministry. And so you're going to have to decide, okay, first, I'm going to have to define reality and I'm going to have to take responsibility and I'm going to have to set those things. The other thing is, I think that we often, I think we often go for these kind of superpower habits. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm going to create this massive habits, and I, I just have noticed that true leadership and true um, uh, advancement as a leader uh, isn't done through the superpower habit, if you will. It's just a phrase I'm making up, but a superpower yeah. habit. I'm going to do this big, huge habit. It's like it's really done in the small things that are done consistently. It's really what it is. It's just finding the one or two habits. Instead of viewing these big old habits, you know, of going into the new year, man, what's one or two things that if I just did this consistently, it would change a lot in my marriage. If I just did this consistently, it would change a lot in my leadership. It would change a lot in my balance. Not a big, huge, Mm -hmm. but just what's one or two things that I could change that when done consistently would change everything. The third, the third thing I would say about that is I think that often as people head into a new year, they often focus on what, not how. Yeah. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, but how are you actually going to do that? What's the actual step you're going to take? So consider that as well. Those are the things yeah. that I'd consider about own the boundaries, mm-hmm. own the boundaries and find the one or two little small habits that really make a big difference. They don't have to be big habits. They could just be small yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and yeah. even after the how, I think it's even the why also. Yeah, why of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah. The why is what the why is what roots you to the outcome. The why is yeah. what roots you to stay faithful to it when when you wanna go the other way or you wanna drift. The why yeah. always does that. Uh, so absolutely it's rooted in that. But a lot of people say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be this, I'm going to become this, but Mm -hmm. how are you going to actually do that? Find one or two things that when done consistently make a big difference. Uh, years and years and years ago, one of my, a a guy that I knew in the church that did very well financially, I just said, Hey man, I'm in ministry. I'm not making millions of dollars. And he gave me, uh, he gave me three little words. I thought, boy, that, that could go almost anywhere. He said, just invest with discipline. And uh, mm-hmm. invest with discipline. And I thought, boy, that's a great statement for money. That's a great statement for my marriage. That's a great yeah. statement for my leadership. Just yeah. invest with discipline. doesn't have to be big. Just invest with discipline. And the compound effect is what will change everything. Mm. That's actually really good. Yeah. Um, kind of on yeah. that same train of thought, um, without getting into any details, but you know, my family went through a crisis a couple of years ago, and I think that's really the root of this whole like being more intentional about always pursuing wholeness. Um, but in the midst of as a leader, you go through pain, you go through crisis, you go through letdowns, you go through hurts. Um, mm-hmm. How do you? How do you? It, I, it's, it might be a deeper question that I need to do with my therapist, but I think as a leader, it's a great question to ask of like, how do you, how do you get back on the horse? And in, in, in your way of protecting yourself, um, you kind of start pushing people away, which is kind of hard as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, wow. what's a good balance? What's a good, 
metric there, what's a good habit or however you want to say, um, guide to, or boundary, honestly, to walk that yeah. fine line of, I want to be close to people. Um, and I don't know, embrace pain. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it, man. Well, first I, I, I love the vulnerability of the question. Um, yeah. anybody that's listening to this podcast is you can't be in ministry or any form of leadership and not go through pain. It's just going to mm-hmm. happen. People are going to hurt you and people are going to surprise you how much they hurt you. Um, yeah. things are going to happen that you didn't expect are going to happen. Um, and yeah, I think that is a big question, but, uh, but man, I think it, let's talk about it for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, although it's a, a therapist type question, <laughs> um, <laughs> How do you, I, I think just some, some thoughts off the top of my head is how do you create tough skin and a soft heart? Mm. Because if you have a tough heart, then that's, that's not going to work. You got to yeah. have tough skin. Like I can, I can handle this. Uh, I know how to deflect tough skin. Um, I know how to deflect. I know how to not take it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say that when someone hurts you or someone complains or comes at you, Treat it like chewing, chewing, chewing gum. You know, you chew it, but you don't swallow. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't take it all in. It's just like, okay, if I, I'll learn what I can from it, but then I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep that tough skin, but I'm also going to keep a soft heart. I'm going to make sure that I don't choose suspicion over trust, Ooh. but that I choose trust over suspicion. You're going to choose suspicion over trust or trust over suspicion. And the more you get hurt, the more someone's going to come into your life as a leader, join your team, and you're going to put them under the shadow of suspicion based on what someone else did. Yeah. Rather than saying, you got a clean slate with me, and yeah. I'm going to trust you until you prove me otherwise. Yeah. And those, those are, I, 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 I know that sounds, you know, just like, oh, I'll just say, I, I, it's not easy. I get it. I really, I really get it because we've all bled. I've bled. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in ministry and people have hurt me and, uh, um, and I have a situation that happened just recently where I was like, wow, I can't believe this person, you know, after all I've done, you know, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. you feel like, wow, you know, and that's real, man. That's vulnerable. That's real. That's authentic. I love the honesty of this conversation, but I do think tough skin, soft heart is one thing to remember. I think choosing trust over suspicion rather than suspicion over trust is really important and not yeah. allowing what someone else did to become how you treat another person. And um, I I also think one thing is those that are closest to you. I had this conversation one time with an executive I work with on the team, on one of our teams uh, that, that I operate. And I remember saying, you know, we were building a good friendship and, and he was doing a lot of great work and we had known him before anyway. And I just said, just so you know, I was hurt over here, you know, and now you're working with me. And if there's ever a moment where you feel like I'm judging you according to someone else's uh, circumstance or behavior from the past, please call me on it. Hmm. I think that did two things. One, he called me on it. I wouldn't say all the time, but probably first two years, probably called it on me every six, seven months where, hey, I feel like. You're judging me according to someone else's situation. One, he handled that right, and it gave him license to let me know when I'm doing that. Two, it also showed incredible vulnerability. 
uh, on my side. And also I think that creates an equity and a trust when you're vulnerable. Yeah. And having that honest conversation. I don't think you have it with everybody. I don't think you can have it with everybody. I don't think you should have it with everybody. But there are a few people in your life that are close to you in ministry that you need to be able to say, call me on it. Mm -hmm. And they, I always tell leaders, don't be afraid to bleed. It creates vulnerability. And that vulnerability and honesty is what gives you equity with them and what actually helps the relationship. I don't know if that helps, yeah. but no, it, it helps a lot because I think really, I think there's a tension that I don't know, maybe it doesn't, I, I, I don't really been, I haven't heard it being spoken of too much, but it's like the pastor that becomes a friend, but then that line becomes really blurry. And then people, you know, like, and I'm, and it's yeah. not the, the title or the authority card. It's legit. The, I get so close to someone. And then mm-hmm. they, you lose that, those lines start to bleed a little bit where, right. okay, now I have <clears throat> right. my, he's my friend hat. Now I have, he's my pastor hat. Now he's my boss hat. So yeah. um, I think there's a lot, obviously in every relationship is probably different, but um, there's a lot to be said about those, those nuances I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. And <clears throat> I shared that on a, I won't go into it too much. Cause I did share it on a podcast, but knowing though recently, knowing those, lines of friendship and leadership, Hmm. uh, knowing what you can share and what you shouldn't share. Um, you have to draw those lines. And when you start choosing friendship over leadership, it usually ends up hurting you. You've got to be able to know where those lines are. You got to know when to be vulnerable. And I think that kind of vulnerability, like, Hey guys, I've been hurt. Hey, sit down with two or three of your executives. Guys, I've been Mm -hmm. hurt in the past. Um, Nothing you guys did, but what will happen is, is I'll start judging you according to that light. And I need you to one-on-one call me on that. If you feel that, cause I don't want to do that to you. That, that, that statement, that just 45 second conversation I just had with you as if I was you to three of your executives, that little 45 seconds will give you a ton of grace over the next year or two. Cause they'll know. Yeah. Yeah. They'll know. They'll give you so much grace if you just are honest with them. No. And I think, I think that is gold. Honestly, like I, 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 you, you have said a lot of really helpful things and that is super gold right now for me, because that's really what, what happens like crisis, pain, hurt shapes our life. And then we, we, if you look at the rear mirror, there is their intersection where you used to be like this and now you're like this. And, um, yeah. and some people, we, we honestly never look back and reflect to see, wait, my leadership style wasn't like this, or I wasn't, I didn't used to make people feel uncomfortable or whatever. And usually it trades back to something, you know, and uh, that's really good that your relationship yeah. with these people starts with, hey, this is the intersection. So I might, I might be tempted to go back to this route or this uh, yep. way of <clears throat> acting or talking or whatever, but that's really good. Um, yeah, good, good. Yeah. Another thought, um, I heard this phrase, um, it's kind of a very vague, bold one, but it's really been messing me up with, uh, like in a good way, messing me up. <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, structuring a church and when we build a church, um, and I say build because I, I know that God's the one that ultimately does it, but we're, we're leaders and we have this, we're being stewards. Right. And so the phrase was build a church that will last a hundred years, build a church that will last a hundred years. That, that mm. thought really is kind of been on my mind for the past three weeks. 
Um, and as we're talking about structures and we're talking about a lot of roles, even in our church, I know you're very aware of that. Um, that thought is, it kind of really got me thinking of like, what does the church look like when it sets goals? Um, as far as like, how do you build a church for a hundred years maybe? And that's like yeah. a super vague question. Yeah. But when it comes to practical things, I think it splits it into what, what should be short-term goals that a church would have and what are yeah. long-term goals that a church would have? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that's good. I, I think that, uh, one, I, I, that's an interesting statement, you know, building a church last a hundred years. Um, I do think that just some quick thoughts, um, I've been, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that as well. Like, like how can you set the church up financially to win long after you're gone? Mm. You know, yeah, uh, I've seen yeah. pastors do that. Unfortunately, I've seen the next pastor come in and blow it uh, and ruin the entire thing. <laughs> it's like the guy sets his empire and he, you know, I, I've seen that more than once. Uh, but there's a, a an example where they had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they had probably, a, oh, I don't know, the pastor kind of retired. Uh, and, and he handed it off to someone. I'm just giving an example. And that person got to sort of inherit what this guy built. Now, what I mean by that is he had a beautiful church in an incredible location, probably worth 15, 18 million, just the church itself. Then he owned three or four. He had the vision to buy four or five houses on each side of the church and then rent them out. So that someday if he wanted to expand, he could level the, the, the houses and build gymnasiums or whatever he wanted to build. Uh, he had built up, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank and it was paid off. Wow. That to me is, man, that guy thought about the future. He wasn't going to inherit. He no. had to go through all the work of buying these houses and raising the money and paying them off and, you know, all that stuff over a period of 25 years so that someone would have that to stand on. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the next guy didn't do well with it and uh, um, and did, made a lot of mistakes and pretty much just, you know, I wouldn't say destroyed, but wrecked the financial sort of stability that the guy created. I do think that there's things that you can look at for the future. I think a lot of it is centered around finances for the future and property. Because when you start talking about like, mm-hmm. we're going to do this vision next year of feeding 10,000 people the homeless. Well, that that's not 20 years from now. That's not yeah. That doesn't live past you. But when you yeah. start talking about setting the church up for a win financially, paid off property, more property that you own, endowments that you own, investments that you own, where it's like, man, I'm setting this church up to win for the future. Now, hopefully someone doesn't come along and wreck it, but um, man, when you talk about 100 years from now, I think one of the, obviously you're trying to build a good church, a God-loving church, Christ-centered church, making a difference, all that stuff. We all, that's kind of the here and now, but when you're gone or when you're, you know, nine years old, and you, you know, yeah. like you look back and go, man, I, I set them up for a win. You yeah. know, I, I mean, the properties they own, like they, they could go on for years yeah. uh, with what I set up. I think that's part of that. Um, you asked the question, so one, I think we need to think about properties, finances, things like that. 
that yeah. set the church up for a win. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think we need to think that way past just survival in our own sort of pastoral season. We need to think, what about 20 years from now? What's the, what difference is going to yeah. make? You yeah. know, what if I invested this now and the church kept paying it? Yeah, you know what? In 30 years, it's going to be huge. But I'll be gone in 15. Yeah, but now you're thinking about the future. Yeah. That's what I would think about as it pertains to 100 out. When I think about when, when uh, you talked about short-term kind of goals or perspectives and long-term, I think that the, the, difference is, the difference is wrapped up in two words, vision and mission. Mm-hmm. Vision is where you're going. Mission is what you're doing. Yeah. So mission, we want to lead unchurched people, you know, like we always say at South Hills, the church that I founded, we want to lead unchurched people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we do. But, but where are we headed? We want to, uh, here's our vision. We want a church in every state and on every continent. And we want to make, we want to make an impact on every state and on every continent by developing leaders and creating irresistible churches. That's where we're headed. Dude, every state and every continent, like that's going to go beyond me. That's a vision yeah. that goes way beyond me. What we do about leading unchurched, that happens every day. And I think you're separating out as a leader as you think to the future. What are we doing every day is our mission. It's who we are. It's what we're called to. But where we're going is probably going to outlast me. You separate yeah. the what and the where. Hmm. And, and honestly, so, I think that yeah. <clears throat> that's almost a starting point of that of that question, really. It's like if the church is going to last 100 years, it's your, your default is what does the church look like without me? without me carrying yeah. the whole thing, you know, or driving right. the boat or driving the ship or whatever you want to call, you know, it's like you, you yep. are no longer in the picture and you are, um, you know, you're, you're sending your David leaving finances so that his son could build the temple. When you said finances, yep. that's really what came to my mind is like, Hey man, I could, I could hire three more staff members or I could set this aside for the future and I'm never going to reap the rewards of this this extra money in my budget, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty, they're hard questions because when they go back to like the practical day to day, it's choosing Mm -hmm. not me versus me almost, you know, my time versus not my time. Yep. And that is uh, every generation, every generation, uh, all these different millennials and Z's and Y's and R's and all these things, (laughs) they're always going to create these challenges. Um, and I think that the people that are alive at that moment and in ministry at that moment have to solve that what. But what mm. we have to do as leaders is set it up for the future. You know, <clears throat> you you hand off your ministry and go, okay, we're $6 million in debt. Uh, we don't have any money in the bank. And Joe's going to be the new pastor. Like, <laughs> man, that's... <laughs> That's that's not exactly setting it up for a win. So I think there's some practical things we can do to set it up for a win. Now, what people do with that once you hand it to them, that's their decision. But you're able to rest knowing, and I set that church up for a win. And yeah. uh, um, I think that's an important part of it. So, man, anything else you want to chat about today? Great question. No. Man, these have been incredible. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, cool. Yeah, I mean, it was just that. Like, if there's yeah. anything practical that the church could be doing to – to read Gen Z, anything that jumps off yeah. the page for you? Uh, I love to well, hear. you know what, uh, man, I think you got to get people around that understand uh, what's happening in that world rather than trying to figure it out. Got to find a leader in that world 
uh, for sure in any generation. You got to find a leader in that generation that says, this is how we are. This is how we think. This is what we do. Um, I do two things. One, I find a leader in that generation. And two, I find someone else that's already doing well in that area. Um, I don't think I have some big magic like do this and that will reach them. I think, okay, who's doing a great job at it? What are they doing? And who's in that arena that is a natural born leader? It's like, I am a Gen Z or I'm one or two years above it, but mm-hmm. I, I can speak to it. Uh, because the older you get, the more distance there is between really understanding that. And, uh, but, uh, doesn't mean they don't need to be reached. We yeah. just, you know, uh, Paul says, to the Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. You know, to the Z, I find a Z. And I say, how do you reach these people? Uh, <laughs> and then the next generation will come and it'll create a whole other set of problems yeah. and challenges. Yeah. And, and uh, but I think it's great. I don't, I think it's good that we don't look at it. I say set of problems, it's a set of opportunities for us to say, mm-hmm. man, we can figure out how to reach these people in a way that they're not reached. Yeah. So. That's good. That's what That's I would really do. Good. Yeah. Well, man, hey, dude, always great talking with you. <laughs> you're, you're an amazing leader, and you always have incredible questions and, uh, and just love what you're doing. And, uh, man, God sure have blessed you and uh, grown a really incredibly great-sized church, and God's just doing awesome things. But, man, thanks for being on it today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much, man. Big hug. Appreciate right. you All a right. lot. Th- thanks, buddy.